Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only show that talks about watching soccer on TV, online, and on apps. Coming up on episode eight of the World Soccer Talk podcast, we discuss NBC's coverage of the Premier League during the festive period, uh, Univision's record-breaking TV ratings for the Liga MX final, and questions from you, the listeners. Kartik, how are you doing uh, this uh, Happy New Year, by the way? How, how I'm doing, yeah, Happy New Year to you as well, Chris. Uh, I'm doing well, thanks. Awesome. Okay, well, it's time for right in because it's been a, a busy period of... Mostly Premier League matches. So of course, there's been some Liga MX too. Um, and, and some others. It's been Copa del Rey and, and some other games happening. Um, but let's dive right in. Most of it is the Premier League and what we've been watching. And uh, I'll, I'll start off, Kartik. Um, Boxing Day, I, I was disappointed with. Uh, I don't know if you, you thought the same. Um, but it was one of those days where, I mean, usually Boxing Day in, in previous years, well, maybe, maybe this is kind of going nostalgic, but I remember Boxing Day kind of being um, kind of free-for-alls, kind of five-fours, four-threes, kind of like almost as if the players had a couple of drinks too many uh, before the games and uh, a little bit kind of uh, more open-ended. But this one I thought was a little bit uh, disappointing. The Watford against uh, Crystal Palace game was, uh, to me, like really sloppy, uh, very little creativity. Uh, it was a good example of a poor Premier League game. So when people kind of criticize the Premier League for being kind of not the most attractive league, league by any means, uh, this was a good match. And probably most of the listeners, uh, maybe you, you too, Kartik, may have uh, already forgotten about this match, but uh, it was definitely a snoozer. What did you think? They were all poor. I mean, I just think the, we knew it coming into Boxing Day that the Boxing Day lineup was poorer than most seasons. Usually there's one marquee match, and there really wasn't this time. And I thought the football was poor. I, I think the football was generally poor over the whole holiday period, and that comes from too many games, uh, too much travel for some teams. Uh, Liverpool, for example, had to go, uh, and they played an open game against Sunderland, but a stretch game, but they had to go from uh, Liverpool to Sunderland, and those of you who are familiar with the northeast of England, it's not that simple to get there uh, by coach. It's not you're not you're not turning down the M1 from Leeds to London. It's it's there's a little more to it. Uh, and pl- and kick off. Um, I I think well, let me do my math correctly. Like 43 hours after they had finished their game against Man City, so that affects quality of play. I'm sorry, it just mm-hmm. does. And and um, it's a great time for spectators and, and, and such, but it, it hurts the quality of football. This having been said, the Premier League does so little for its fans in this day and age. It's a, uh, a TV-driven, corporate-run league that it is nice to see them giving 
trying to keep these fixtures uh, in, in a way where fans can attend games and, and, and enjoy the festive season, even if it hurts quality of play. One of the things I think it's it's a captive audience because I mean really there's not a lot of football going on during this uh, break. I mean most most of the leagues um, in Europe have taken a winter break. Uh, the German league a very long one. You mean the Spanish and French league and uh, Italian league a pretty short one. But um, I think it's a captive audience. So I think the Premier League when they're doing the, the schedules for the season they probably thought okay let's kind of let's tone down maybe the Boxing Day and then let's kind of for the TV audience let's move some matches around. Um, but there were, there were some good ones. So, so after back Boxing Day, for me at least, um, I really enjoyed watching the Southampton Spurs game. Uh, it's one of those fixtures where the, the scoreline, uh, when you look at the scoreline with Spurs winning by so many goals, you would think it was kind of a one-sided match. But it was pretty close for the most part, and Southampton definitely uh, gave it a good go. And then uh, I think a couple of days later or the next day, it was the Liverpool-Man City game. And as a neutral, um, I really enjoyed this, this one. I mean, it kind of really lived up to kind of the big occasion, uh, great atmosphere at Anfield, um, and a really intriguing game in terms of tactics and entertaining from, from end to end. Not a lot of goals, but, but that's okay. Um, and then for me, then, the, the, I think, the, was it the Sunday? <laughs> it all kind of uh, falls together here. But the Sunday, the, the Arsenal Palace game, and seeing Olivia Giroud's uh, goal, kind of the Scorpion reverse scorpion kick or scorpion kick, whatever it was. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. And, and last but not least, Kartik, for me, the Spurs against Chelsea game was really captivating uh, on many levels in terms of uh, just tactically, uh, you got, and then also the kind of the foreign man, manager influence in terms of this one. Uh, but I really enjoyed that one. So for me, actually, I actually haven't mentioned Swansea yet, but for me, I, I, I enjoyed most of the matches um, post-Boxing Day, of course, I watched all the Swansea ones, so I missed on, on some of the other matches, some of the Man United matches. But overall, I, I'm happy. It's, uh, you mean, got to watch, uh, you mean, what was it, 30 games, I think it was, in, in 10 days. Um, it's, it's, it, it, to me, it still is one of the most, uh, one, one of the best times of the year, of the season, to be able to watch all these games and just, just gorge on it. Yeah, although I have to say, I, I think, again, there were... Um more poor games than good games. And, and um, I, I think in general, the Premier League is, 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 is an entertaining league. It's not necessarily a quality. It is quality league, but it's not. Um, it's funny. I had arguments over this period with some people who, who've said, oh, well, um, you, you have to look at uh, how good these games are and, I, and, I, and compare them to other leagues. And I, I've said, well, these are teams in England playing one another. Um, what about Europe? And I'm told then, well, European competition, it's not, it's an imperfect uh, thing. You, you know, most people realize it doesn't really, you can't judge leagues based on that. Then I, I've said, well, what other metric do we have? I know Spanish teams right down the table, everybody, every Spanish team that qualifies for Europe generally competes at a high level in Europe. And you have English teams bombing out in qualifying rounds of Europa League or uh, group stages of Europa League and Champions League. But all of that having been said, I, I just, again, think that the quality of the league is um, is down from what I see. And then there's this gap between the top six teams and the rest of the league. And this was the uh, the, the six teams that the Swiss Ramble termed the Sky Six mm-hmm. uh, five or six seasons ago, that there was a disproportionate amount of television money going to these six clubs. Although I, I've um, looked at television numbers, and it looks like Everton actually gets um, – 
more TV money than the rest of the league as well. So they would be that seventh team. But there is a separation mm -hmm. between the top six and the rest of the league, including Everton now, that I think is uh, it's 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 neat. I guess if you support one of those teams, and it's and it certainly makes it more competitive in, in a in a sense of competing for for the title and for um, European spots than the other major leagues in Western Europe. But it's um, it's a little bit. Um, Disconcerting. So the one good thing to see was at the end of this holiday period, Liverpool drop points, Manchester, uh, neither Manchester club drop points at the end, but Arsenal drop points, and then obviously Spurs against Chelsea, someone was going to drop points. But um, to see Liverpool and Arsenal drop points in the final festive feature fixtures was a uh, was a refreshing thing. Uh, that having been said, I think in past years those are games in this period of time that Arsenal Arsenal lost that game to Southampton last year in the same situation. Liverpool has lost that game, or the equivalent of Liverpool, second or third in the league, has lost that game to Sunderland. Uh, Manchester City did a few years ago on New Year's Day. Um, that the, 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 the fact that they even got draws, again, highlights to me, away from home, on short rest, with travel, highlights to me the, the gap in the league that's opened up. And, and it's not a healthy thing. Yeah, the gap between what sixth and seventh place, I think it's nine points or ten points. So it's um, yeah, it'll just grow. It'll just grow before the end of the year. Right, I'm sure. definitely. But 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 to me, I mean, that's the thing about the Premier League. I think I think this season we we're returning to normalcy. So there isn't the Leicester, um, and it, it is kind of the top six, and it's pretty pretty predictable. Um, but it is that time of the season. I, I agree with you. The quality isn't isn't the greatest uh, by far, but. Uh, it's it's meaningful. I mean, so these these are matches that uh, whether it's top of the table or even the bottom of the table. I mean, with managers being sacked, new managers coming in, lot of chopping and changing. So there's kind of a lot of drama in the bottom half. Um, it's pretty packed, kind of in the middle. So teams like like a West Brom go on a, on a run and, and start winning a few matches and lose one or two, but they're moving up the table. Everton kind of uh, flounder a little bit, get get a win, but the, the inconsistencies there, and then top of the table, of course. So, so to me, it's one of those things. It's um, it, it matters. It, it is meaningful. It's one of those things that uh, even though the matches themselves aren't the greatest entertaining matches uh, on the globe, you know, it's not watching it like, like Barcelona, but it is it is meaningful because each of these results, even if it is. You mean kind of a, a Swansea beating Crystal Palace kind of 2-1 and it's not the most attractive game, but it means a lot a lot to me, but a lot, a lot to other people too in terms of that, that relegation um, kind of race to try to avoid that. So, yeah, I, 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 think, I, think, I think at the end of the day, Carter, it is still the same period of time. The festive period is kind of, it is because it's so meaningful, it is so addictive and, and watchable. Um, but I think I don't think it's based on the actual quality per se, but it's just what, what these matches mean to, to each of the teams. So Kartik, uh, also the, the one, th one more thing about too about the Spurs Chelsea game too, which which is great that actually Spurs won this one just to kind of keep this uh, Premier League title race open. And you could argue that uh, all six teams at the top uh, have a chance of winning this title. Of course, you I mean it's going to be harder for some, but. Uh, it is now wide open. But the one thing I did like about uh, the coverage of this match uh, for NBC um, was, was Phil Neville uh, being added. And it was a nice little change to have him on um, instead of uh, Lee Dixon or Graham Lasso. Um, Phil Neville's been on before, too. This isn't the first time by any means, but for a big match, this is great. And one of the things I noticed, and I, I can't remember which game it was, but it was uh, earlier this week or, or maybe even last weekend, 
with uh, Graham Lasso and Arlo White. And Graham Lasso, I, I, I've been a big fan of, but um, there was one game that he was just really, really quiet. So I mean, you could tell that Arlo White was trying to pull him into the conversation, have him talk a little bit more. But whether it was Graham Lasso not taking the bite or not feeling well or, or something, but he was really, really quiet. And I thought that was kind of strange. So I thought having Phil Neville come in was a nice change, change of pace. Uh, we'll get more into this a little bit later too, Kartik, in terms of kind of the talent and kind of the rotation policy, so to speak, from, from NBC Sports. But uh, but I really enjoyed uh, Phil Neville's addition. And then Kartik, um, I, I mean, I watched some other matches too. The Championship, I actually watched uh, quite a few games. So, so Aston Villa against Leeds United. Uh, that was a good kind of entertaining uh, draw there. A big match for, for both of those clubs. And uh, also Newcastle United against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, on being sports, which was on one of the Fridays uh, during the, the festive period. Um, anything else, Kartik, that, that you saw? Any, any points that you want to address in terms of what you've been watching? Um, no, that, that pretty much ter- uh, sums it up. I mean, I think that uh, NBC, and we'll get to this in the final segment, I think, and I, I agree with you on the addition of Phil Neville for um, the Spurs-Chelsea match, but I don't think they quite did the, uh, the job on big matches that we've seen them do in the past uh, involving the likes of Steve Bauer going back a few years, Gary Lineker on site, on site studio. Uh, They even had that for which match was it recently? Uh, Arsenal and Manchester city. They didn't reproduce that for any of the matches in um, over the festive period. And I realize it's, it's uh, quick turnarounds and short, uh, short staffing in many ways, but it's, it's disappointment because they've set the bar very high with certain things. And then, uh, you get a game like Spurs-Chelsea, which I think most people would acknowledge was the biggest match of the season mm-hmm. and has has kind of blown up everything, at least for now, in the title race. And um, it was like any other – I don't want to say it was like any other midweek game because obviously Neil Ashton was at uh, the uh, – uh, was at White Hart Lane, but he probably would have been there anyway, right, for his mm-hmm. beats. So right. uh, with the mirror, um, I'm not quite sure – they went over and above the, the, the call of duty as we've expected them to do for big games. Same thing for Liverpool, Man City a few days earlier. But we can get to that later in the show. Absolutely. So, so moving on to segment two, which is the TV streaming news. Not a lot of news over the, over the, uh, the festive period, the, the, the winter break. Um, but uh, the first thing I do want to mention is that, uh, and we talked about this, I think, on the last episode, but Dish Network has uh, unveiled a 4K Android TV streaming box. So what this is is that Dish Network is kind of seen in terms of uh, Sling TV, which is their, their main streaming product, is that um, to make it easier to get Sling TV into the homes uh, throughout the United States, um, rather than be able to have, you know, whether it's, say, um, a Roku or some other device, and there's a few steps to get online to be able to watch Sling TV. So they're going to be selling this thing called Air TV. And Air TV has kind of pre-installed with Sling TVs on it, uh, as well as Netflix, if you um, want a Netflix subscription. Um, but the big difference is it has local channels. So that's the thing that's been missing thus far with Sling TV, is that uh, if you want to watch your NBC over the air, the, ma- the major NBC network or, or uh, Fox, um, it's only available in select cities uh, through, through Sling TV. And those select cities are the cities where NBC owns that local uh, NBC affiliate and vice versa where Fox owns that uh, Fox affiliate. 
So if you live in one of those cities, which is about 12 or 15 cities in the United States, then you can watch it through Sling TV today. If you don't live in those areas, uh, which includes me and probably many, many, many more uh, listeners too, uh, you basically, you, you can't watch it. You can't, you can't watch those games. So when those big NBC games is on 12.30 Eastern time on a Saturday, you're going to miss out on that. Um, you have to watch it on demand, I think, the next day. But with this product, Air TV, uh, which we'll be, we'll be getting more details soon, it's coming out of the CES show in Las Vegas. Um, we'll share those on, on the websites and uh, maybe even try to get get a um, an actual Air TV, and we can uh, I can do a kind of a test run and, and review it. But it does open it up in terms of uh, this could be something that's pretty attractive. Out of the box, you got your local channels, Sling TV, and Netflix. And for most people, that would be probably everything you would possibly want, want uh, or need, uh, unless you, I mean, I mean Sling covers most, most of the leagues. So, so there's that, Kartik. So uh, on, over to you. Any other news uh, happening in the marketplace? Kartik? Yeah. Um, Roku has, uh, has uh, grown their U.S. smart TV market share to 13%. Uh, and I'm surprised it's uh, not higher from talking to people, it seems like everybody these days has a Roku stick, or at least everybody I'm talking to, Roku stick, built-in Roku, some sort of Roku interface. Um, and, um, well, I think that that number probably only accounts for sales, uh, not people who go out and buy Roku sticks in addition and, and, and install it on their smart TV. So um, cord cutting, it, it's a reality. And... Um, the, the cable companies and the um, and the networks that acknowledge that and tailor make their product to those cord cutters are going to be the ones who are more successful, in my opinion, long term. Yeah, I I love Roku. I mean, I've got a Roku. I've got an Apple TV. Um, I just ordered a um, Amazon Fire Stick too to see. I want to see how that is in comparison. But the Roku, I'm actually in in love with. I mean, in terms of being able to watch. Um, any of the games through NBC. So even the NBC Sports, what used to be NBC Sports Live Extra, which is now the NBC Sports app. Um, I was doing a lot of the, that watching kind of uh, on a desktop or laptop. Uh, but now with Roku, it's easier to ac access those games as well as the highlights. Um, plus you have, you mean, Fubo. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of other content on there too. Um, to me, it's it's... The, the best device out there. I mean, Apple TV is very good too, but again, it's within the Apple ecosystem, so you're limited to what you can do. Um, but it'll be interesting to see this Air TV. The Air TV actually is an Android device too, so you can actually install apps on that too. So if you want to add and build other things onto it, you can. So uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting um, in terms of developments happening from the Roku side and, and also from, uh, from the Air TV uh, side of things. And in context, just one more thing too, and this is kind of more more ranting and raving rather than news. But I'm not sure if you know, and I'm, I'm being sarcastic here. But uh, the FA Cup is this weekend, and it's the third round, which is you mean historically, traditionally, kind of the one of the highlights of the season uh, of the, the English season in terms of the calendar. And yet, we haven't heard anything from Fox. I mean, there's been no press releases. I haven't seen any promos or ads or um, people have been asking me on, online, um, on Twitter and social media, hey, do you know what FA Cup games are going to be on this weekend? We have the schedule on, on wolfsoccertalk.com on the homepage. 
and that's through our kind of digging and researching and, and uh, using our resources to find out which games are going to be on. But it just seems really strange that, I mean, Fox isn't trying to promote this at all. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they will once we get closer to maybe Friday, but at this point, it's... <laughs> I don't know how much closer you can get. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, true. I, I, I don't know what kind of studio presentation they're going to have. Um, it's just an afterthought now, which um, um, I suppose is where they are. They don't have other English football properties. They um, are over, over... They're stretched soccer-wise as it is. So I guess we're just going to get very kind of half-assed... Um, production and, and presentation that that's the expectation although a lot of times that is the expectation with fox in general mm -hmm. yeah it, it just shows what a gaping hole there is at fox i think um i think it was um robert socal um on twitter posted something and he's been sarcastic too but after bob bradley got sacked uh at swansea i think he posted to alexi lalas like hey are you guys going to talk about this on your next uh, soccer show in February uh, on the uh, UEFA Champions League uh, kind of pre-match pre uh, coverage, which which I thought was pretty funny too, because I mean, really, Fox has, I mean, they have their shows, um, the Talking Head shows, which are mostly NFL, NBA kind of driven. So those so soccer topics are not going to come up on that. Uh, I think really it's one of the ways that, um, I mean, Fox is kind of using social media to kind of, uh, Put out word, put out news or opinions. I mean, whether it's the website or social media itself, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, etc. But on television, it's a gaping hole, and especially with it being the Christmas break too. And kind of, uh, I'm sure some of the talent is probably on vacation, or um, and there's no MLS going on. So it just it just shows what a gaping void there is at Fox. Where you mean, it's a big deal. I mean, you got West Ham United playing uh, Man City. You got. Uh, Man United playing Reading, you got Liverpool playing Plymouth. Um, it's kind of just a sad state of affairs that the FA Cup is getting really kind of uh, short shrift, shrift here. And uh, yes, the games will be televised, but uh, there isn't a lot of you know, promotion or pizzazz that we're seeing for this, as opposed to the MLS Cup final, which basically they promoted for weeks um, on Fox, on, on the UEFA Champions League shows and Europa League shows and any opportunity they got. But... I mean, I suppose uh, part of it might be, although this doesn't impact them, but part of it might be the fatigue of the um, of the uh, festive period in English football and fans coming off of that. Now, of course, that would affect NBC a lot more than it affects Fox. So mm -hmm. uh, there is a certain degree of football fatigue. I'm, I'm kind of happy I can catch my breath in an FA Cup weekend and then uh, other leagues in Europe are rebooting and kind of get back to a sense of normalcy. But... Uh, that having been said, uh, it is a property Fox has when they don't have those other properties we we, we speak about, and I'm not quite sure what they're going to do. Um, and, and it's uh, it's kind of par for the course. I mean, they're very inconsistent with their with their marketing and promotion of Bundesliga, right? Uh, they, they'll make a push for a couple weeks and then they'll just drop it, and it becomes a, a throwaway property on the on the network again. And then they try again a couple months later. So it's all very odd from Fox. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think it, when it's a big game that's on, like, uh, Big Fox, like the Fox over the air, uh, the Bundesliga games, that then you see some promotion. And then, like you said, too, then they kind of uh, almost give up and don't really do much promotion at all. Um, I feel sorry for the talent, though, too. I mean, you enjoy Eric Ronaldo, uh, Jovan Karofsky. I mean, they put a lot of hard work into covering the Bundesliga, but it just seems to be that Fox, kind of the higher-ups or 
the marketing department or, or you mean the PR department really don't put much of an effort into you mean kind of um, making these guys available for interviews or kind of talking more about the Bundesliga. It just seems that they kind of uh, they have it and they show it and that's about all they do. But all right, Kartik, let's move on. TV ratings. Um, some some positive news uh, now instead of some uh, negative news there. Is that um, actually? Let me let me have you do it though the, about the Liga MX. The Mexico year, the Liga MX final got six million viewers uh, on the Univision Network's uh, Christmas night, um, and then there was a first leg on the twenty second, which would would have been three nights. Was that Thursday? Yeah, it was Thursday Sunday yeah. that did very well as well. So um, incredible numbers, uh, numbers that make you scratch your head about why. Uh, Major League Soccer and the European leagues, Premier League, La Liga, cannot get these viewers to watch their product, uh, even for big events, big big occasions. And uh, obviously, there's 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 ethnicity that comes into play and Spanish language dominant households. Although that, I have to say that there are a lot of Mexican American households that are um, English language dominant households mm-hmm. that are now watching Liga MX in Spanish. So yep. uh, that then asks you, is there a possibility? We talked about this on previous shows. We've gotten the question about the English language, an English language package for Liga MX. I think there is. However, the more I think about it, I think it might just cannibalize the Spanish language number. Um, mm-hmm. Those people who are going to watch Liga MX are watching it anyway, where it's available. And uh, there are, many English language dominant households who watch that league, be they Mexican Americans or be they Anglo Americans. Uh, but they are watching the games on Univision as evidenced by this rating, perhaps sticking a package on ESPN two or, or, or Fox sports Two, just cannibalizes that audience and, and makes the properties less impressive. Cause oftentimes we just see top lines on ratings. Right. And, yeah. and Chris, you're, you're, you're in the business of having to do this, having to combine Spanish language ratings with English language ratings consistently for MLS games or uh, broadcasts on BN Sports to uh, in order to give a true picture as to how many people are watching the match in the United States. So maybe uh, in many ways it's good that Liga MX doesn't have this split. Although they do have splits within Univision networks, it's worth noting, mm-hmm. um, where Univision Deportes will show a game, Unimas might show the same game, uh, which is an over-the-air uh, second-tier network. Uh, or maybe main Univision, as they did with this game, will show the game. And then it's also on Univision Deportes, and you have to combine those ratings. So it is a little bit complicated. But um, I guess the takeaway is just a fantastic number. Absolutely. Uh, and it was uh, six million, or just over 6 million total. So for the Thursday and the, the, the Sunday combined, uh, 2.8 for the Thursday game, and then 3.3 for the, the Christmas Day game. So but still huge numbers. And actually, when I spoke to Univision a couple of weeks ago, when I went to, uh, went to their studios, um, they weren't sure. They weren't sure about the Christmas number because they thought that this was the first time that, that uh, the league is doing this. Uh, they thought it would go well just because um, most um, uh, Mexican-Americans celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve and kind of open the presents and kind of have the festivities there. And then Christmas Day is more kind of relaxing with family and spending time with them. So they thought that there'd be a captive audience there, but they weren't sure. And also, too, for Univision, it meant that uh, they had to work Christmas. So they were kind of grumbling a little bit, going like, oh, gosh, this is going to be a great game and hopefully good TV ratings. But it means our crew and all our talent uh, have to be working on Christmas. So it's kind of not fair to the talent either, um, which I, which is understandable. I, I'd, I'd be the same same way, too. 
But but still, I mean, that's the thing about Liga MX. Maybe this is a topic, topic that we can cover in a future episode. But to me, it, it's becoming more and more enticing to watch Liga MX. The schedule fits really well. You I mean you've got matches starting back up again this weekend? Uh, you got the you mean kind of the split seasons? Um, you mean Major League Soccer is not starting again until what was it March? Um, I'm not really into the, the drafts or the super drafts at all, so that that's really of little interest to me. But but the actual league itself is entertaining. They they do have a playoff system that works really well for them. But I just see that that kind of growing the interest level growing. And like you said, too, with the English language audience, um, there's an opportunity there, I think, to kind of bring them in. Uh, ESPN did it a couple of years ago, a few years ago. We were doing kind of like Friday night games, um, but they didn't really promote it that much. So I think, I think there's an opportunity there for, for the Liga MX to grow, uh, particularly from the English language side. And then, Kartik, moving on to the next uh, piece of news on the TV rating side. And, and this is uh, for the Premier League on NBC Sports app. So the NBC Sports app and also the NBC, uh, NBCSports.com website. So the streaming of Premier League games uh, during 2016, and this was up till about, I think, about mid-December, it increased 65% compared to uh, 2015, and it totaled uh, 383 million minutes of live Premier League matches in 2016. And um, one of our uh, listeners on, and readers on Twitter, I, I think, posted, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember uh, the handle, but posted and said that that works out to be approximately 100,000 um, live viewers each week um, watching the streaming, watching the games uh, each weekend, which, which is decent. That's a decent number, uh, and, and that's only going to grow. And I think as TV ratings numbers go down, those digital numbers that we'll see will continue to, to, to rise. All right, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. And um, this first one is from Stephen Hone uh, on Twitter. And uh, he says, I think y'all are way off on why Americans think the Premier League is most entertaining. It's the relative par- uh, parity, not the lack of defending anyone in the Premier League can beat or draw anyone else, uh, versus the Bundesliga, where Bayern wins 90% of the games, and La Liga with only two, maybe three teams. Kartik, what's your thoughts on this? I disagree. First off, I think the Premier League became the most popular league in the U.S. at a time when only Manchester United and Chelsea could win titles. And Arsenal and Liverpool were locked into the top four also. Uh, And there was a big four, and the league was just not that interesting. Um, beyond that. And and so I, I think that now for newer fans, that might be the case. Um, I also think that there is a stereotype about the Spanish league that I held for many years and I would spout out in defense of the English league saying, well, there are only two or three good teams. Uh, you throw uh, any English team into, um, into the Spanish league, they qualify for Europe. Uh, if you, uh, the, the league is not competitive, the teams aren't good. And I think, again, now we're confusing entertainment for quality because the Spanish game is slower, it's more technical, it's more probing, it's it's tactical. It's not as tactical as, as Serie A, but, um, or even some of what I see from Liga 1, from teams outside of PSG now. But I think the reality is the Spanish league is as competitive from teams 4 to 
10 or 11 as the Premier League, if not more competitive. So, um, and the fact that West Brom is sitting in seventh or eighth in the Premier League right now, um, it says a lot to me. The, uh, Burnley and Bournemouth being in, in relatively safe positions, they're all great stories. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But the, the weakness of the league, that Chelsea was on pace until the Tottenham game to have 98 points. That, to me, illustrates a league that's weak, and a league that's especially weak at the bottom, where um, you can say, in theory, anyone can beat anyone else. That's, ha- that's happening in Spain more than it is in England this year, uh, outside of that top six. Now, anyone in the top six can beat anyone else, but uh, there is just uh, a weakness. I- I'm not sure Hull gets to 20 points. I'm not sure Swansea City gets to 25 or 28 points this year. Uh, Sunderland probably going to stay up with 33, 34, 35 points. The league's just not that strong. I, 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 I think that it's an entertainment. It's uh, the goals that are scored. It's the pace of play that, that makes the, the English league so much more popular and so much more watchable on television. One other factor I think that neither Stephen or myself have hit, which is the atmospheres at grounds, with the exception of West Ham now, um, is far greater than the, those in Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not even close. Now, Germany, I think the atmospheres are similar, but there is a production issue in a way, uh, in the way Bundesliga produces games versus the way um, the Premier League produces games. And maybe that's something to talk to the Bundesliga about, that they don't necessarily have the mics in the best locations in this, in, 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 I mean, you still get some of it, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not acting as if when you watch a Bundesliga game on Fox, it feels like watching a La Liga game or a Serie A game. At Serie A, the atmospheres are terrible. And in fact, uh, I think if you take the top teams in Serie A out of the equation, Serie A's attendance is actually lower than MLS's. If you take the top two or three teams out of it. Um, so I do think that the atmosphere in the grounds with the exception of West Ham this year, which is a problem, by the way. Right. And I felt it again in that West Ham-Man United game. There was a lot of anger in the, in, the, in the ground after the sending off, but it wasn't like it would have been at Upton Park or at, a, at, at any other current Premier League ground. Um, I think atmosphere has a lot to do with it. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, a great point too, because like kind of that that West Ham game um, against Man United, especially the last twenty minutes, it was like just like soulless. I mean, they were so quiet. I mean, uh, it was just the. I mean, it, the whole atmosphere had been killed in that stadium. Of course, it looked like Man United was going to go on and win that game pretty comfortably, um, which they did. But yeah, if that was Upton Park, Upton Park it would have been much different. Uh, La Liga, I, I mean, I mean, to me, it's, I mean, you look at Sevilla, I mean, doing so well for, for a number of years, you look at Atleti, uh, Villarreal, I mean, there's some, there's some good teams, there's some really good teams, and I, I, I agree with you, Kartik, in terms of, kind of, you look at the, even the top 10 in Spain, and compare that to, uh, to England's, um, that, that Spain would, would do better, in terms of um, knowing what to do to win matches, the Bundesliga, I disagree with you on, on that one, too. I, I think that the atmosphere is actually better, uh, much, much better than the England. Um, and I'm okay with the mics, so kind of the way they're set up. But the one thing that the Bundesliga, and actually speaking to the Bundesliga last year, I was kind of uh, telling them how, how I thought that the television production value of the Bundesliga was, was, uh, was fantastic and, and better than the Premier League in, in some regards. But the one thing that, that they did say that they did admit was that they need to improve on is kind of the um, the shoulder programming. So kind of your um, weekly highlights package or your basically your, your version of your kind of your Premier League uh, review show, uh, kind of the, the was it Hallo Bundesliga, 
um, that they need to kind of improve those types of programming to kind of make those more accessible or make those you know, more watchable than, um, than the Premier League. And the Premier League was kind of much further along uh, as we know, but um, but yeah, no, I, it's a great question from Steve, and I, I, I agree with you, Kartik. I think um, uh, it's entertaining to watch, but uh, it's not necessarily uh, the best. Um, and defend defending is still still a problem in the Premier League, and that's what makes it uh, so entertaining within the league. And then in Europe, it's a different story altogether. The the, the next question, Kartik, from one of our listeners, it's uh, Stephen Cook-Patrick, and he sent this in through Twitter. And he says, uh, could you guys give your thoughts on the potential of actual MLS studio coverage to improve TV ratings? Do you want to have a go at this one, Kartik? Yeah, I, I think um, the lack of, and, and just kind of piggybacks off what you just said about the uh, Bundesliga, the lack of shoulder programming, the lack of studio programming, the lack of bumper programming for uh, MLS studio shows. I think it's had a dramatic and negative effect on interest in the league, television ratings, stories being um, being told now. MLS has been very aggressive in getting things out uh, on uh, online, on MLSsoccer.com. They have, uh, I see a video with Russ Thaler, who used to do hockey and, uh, and some Premier League, actually, for NBCSN. I see videos with Russ Thaler, I, I want to say every day during the season or every second day. But for, that's not getting on a television network or getting on any sort of other mainstream um, platform for, um, for video outside of MLS itself. But those are actually quite good. Uh, Caleb Carr, uh, Russ Thaler hosts them, and it's, it's, it's very well done. But they don't have, they're, they're not getting that in conjunction with their games on television networks or wherever their games are aired. So uh, they need to make an effort for that to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, those, those, those programs, I would encourage people to watch them on MLSsoccer.com. I think they do a good job of them. I just don't know that, uh, they, they have the ability to get those on television since they're getting a, um, a rights fee. They are now kind of at the mercy of the television networks who don't really want to add bumper programming. Uh, Fox does it occasionally, but add bumper programming to MLS broadcasts maybe MLS has to explore buying time on ESPN or Fox to get those programs on uh, those networks, the networks that show MLS. The, the two issues with uh, Major League Soccer, I, th I think on the studio side, or at least kind of, well, stu studio side would be that, um, would be kind of that, that like you said, to, to Kartik, kind of a weekly MLS highlights show, which on the English language side, there isn't one. So if you're into MLS or want to get into MLS and you want to watch kind of a, a Premier League a review show, basically an MLS review show with all the highlights of all the games and all the goals and all kind of the talking points. It doesn't exist. Now, what was interesting, though, Kartik, when I went to Univision, is I, I, I taught them about that, and they said, yeah, we, we have that show. We have a show, I forgot the name of it, uh, on Univision in Spanish language. They do. They, they do. do. And I was like, wow, I had no idea and this thing even I existed. Think it more than once a week, actually. Um, it's probably the same show, but I, I see it on my program guide yeah. uh, for, on Univision Deportes often, and I've, I watch it. Um, yeah, which, 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 is great, which is great. I, I didn't even know it existed. So if you could have that on the English language, language side and have Univision, Fox, and ESPN all agree to kind of share the, the rights, uh, sh share the highlights package within, within each other, and even show it, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night on, on a 
Tuesday night, at least have something on there. I mean, so that's one thing that I think MLS is still missing, a basic, basic thing that's missing that, that's hurting the league. Um, I, the second thing, I don't think the studio coverage is an issue. Um, uh, yes, it could be better. Yes, it could be different. Um, but it still comes back to my point from, I think, a couple of episodes ago, is just um, making every match matter and kind of making matches meaningful. And when you have 60% or so uh, of the teams making the playoffs, it makes the the regular season almost irrelevant to a certain extent. Uh, those games don't mean much because you mean you could be bottom of the table for the first few months and maybe maybe the last month of the season have have a run of form and still qualify for the playoffs. And um, to me, to me, that's the major that's the major issue. And, and we talked about that with the Premier League with the festive period, and the matches not being of great quality, but they mean a lot. You mean there's the Swansea Crystal Palace, you know, those types of games at the bottom of the table. I mean, those are top on middle. I mean, every game matters. Every game has a, an impact on that league, and those teams are fighting for those points. You know, so so that so to me, from the MLS studio perspective, I, I don't have an issue uh, other than maybe just having a highlights package, and then also, and this is a league problem, is looking at, at the schedule, looking at the format, and trying to figure out a way how do we make this more meaningful to get people watching um, from March till August, I mean, before uh, during the regular season. Okay, Kotick, let's move on to our last segment of the show, which uh, is um, our featured topic of the week. And uh, this one is kind of a, basically kind of a, I want you to give a synopsis of an article that's going to be live on uh, worldsoccertalk.com by the time uh, listeners uh, t- uh, tune into this podcast. And that is about uh, a review of NBC's uh, festive period, kind of the, the highs and lows of uh, their coverage. And they definitely had some new things. Um, they definitely had some old things. But I wanted to see, you to see if you could give us a synopsis of some of the, 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 uh, the takeaway points. Of course, you, listeners can listen, read the whole piece at word for word on willsoccertalk.com on the homepage. But uh, because I thought it would be, be a good uh, topic to discuss on this uh, first show of 2017. Yeah, a lot here. So I think my first uh, observation would be NBC did pretty well. Uh, But did they exceed expectations? Did they do the sorts of things we've now become accustomed to them doing? No. Maybe it's it's a uh, a four-year itch, if you will, uh, a staleness about some of their studio programs. But it seems like in some cases they're just very predictable, and I don't want to say conservative in their approach, but uh, very, very... Uh, mundane in some ways. Uh, Rebecca Lowe did well as usual. I thought Liam McHugh in his fill-in role on uh, basically midweek broadcast did very well. And, and he's a guy that uh, covers a number of sports for NBC, and it's, it's good to see he's got a pretty solid grasp of the Premier League, even to where he can talk to Neil Ashton without uh, and, and kind of improvise and ad-lib a bit uh, without the help of, uh, of other experienced soccer people around him. So I think he's done pretty well. Ashton is always providing a uh, high-end experience. Um, their studio um, analysis, I think, uh, was uh, a little bit uh, disappointing Boxing Day and immediately after with, with Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl, I think, giving very predictable bits. And not that they're wrong. They're not wrong about most things. They're right about most things. But just the kind of analysis that... Um, maybe just about anyone could give. Uh, that having been said, I think both those guys did much, much better 
when they were paired with Kyle Martino the rest of the festive period. So I initially was pretty critical of both Musto and, and Earl and what and even on Twitter saying, hey, they're not they're not giving us any insight. But they were once they were paired when Martino came back. Uh, I believe for the uh, New Year's Eve game. Uh, no, maybe he came back for the uh, Hull Everton game on the thirtieth. Uh, the level was higher, and, I, and again, I think Kyle Martino just is just really good. There's something he says. I talked to a someone we know um, who covers the sport and has watched the sport for a long time, who, who basically says, "Hey, you know, I, I, I go take a shower, I go do uh, my 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 stuff at halftime." Uh, of these games, if it's Musto and, and Earl paired together, but if Martino was paired with one of them, I, I sit and I, I take my shower later, I make breakfast later, or go out into the yard later because I I, I want to hear what he has to say. So, um, and that's someone who was his historically been very critical of American voices on uh, soccer broadcasts. So that that was uh, that was good to hear when he told me that. Um, I think um, Musto really uh, hit, hit, hit things hard at the end. Uh, and, and, and spot on in his analysis of Pep Guardiola's post-game, bizarre post-game uh, interviews after the Burnley game. And, and, and that um, Musto is predictable in a lot of what he says, but he delivers some of his, uh, um, his critiques with a kind of gusto that very few others do, and mm -hmm. it makes it refreshing and entertaining. So that's their studio. Now, I think um, I, have a, I have an issue others won't, with Roger Bennett doing these interviews of, of the likes of Pep Guardiola and Bob Bradley, I think there could be a um, a um, better, more insightful job done if the aforementioned Musto, Earl, or Martino did those interviews. But I understand their limitations and bandwidth, each of those guys. Martino is a new dad. Earl and Musto don't need to be flying to the UK just to do an interview and then flying back to Connecticut. Um, but um, it, because they have, I mean, Bennett has the once a week men in blazers, but he might have more disposable time to do these interviews. I think there's um, a certain comfort level Bennett uh, gets his guests to, uh, to feel in both Bradley and Pep, where they are revealing. And we know a lot number of Pep's quotes in this uh, interview with Bennett now have, uh, ha have circulated throughout the U.K., with great horror, I should say, uh, right. among some of the journalists. Uh, however, I don't think he asks the really difficult questions. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a bit of six, uh, one of six and half dozen of the other, because I guess he does get the interview subject so comfortable and asks enough decent questions to where you get things out of the interview. Uh, but is he going to ask the kind of very tough tactical question that Robbie Musto is going to ask of Pep Guardiola. Mm -hmm. uh, no, he's not, and, and he doesn't. So uh, that was that. I, I really enjoyed the Premier League download shorts with Gary Lineker. My mother even enjoyed it. My mother was flipping channels, saw Gary Lineker was doing interviews on American television, and decided she would sit and watch uh, uh, the Kuman interview and the Raheem Sterling interviews or the two she saw. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was really well done, and we want to see more of that. I was... Uh, I was impressed by it's called football with the F2. I had heard about uh, that before. I had heard about the free, uh, freestyle stars. Um, Jeremy Lynch was kind of new to me, but Billy Wingrove is, a, is someone I'm familiar with. Uh, I thought the show was fantastic. I'm really disappointed, though, that uh, there doesn't seem to be any follow-up. There was a lot of buildup for them debuting those shows, yep. those, two, those two episodes. I was excited. I know about Billy Wingrove. I sat and watched those shows live, loved them, um, and... Uh, I don't know when they're going to be on again. 
uh, if they're going to be on again. And they probably will be on again, but they might show their next show in April, for all I know. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to my concern about NBC that has developed now over the course of a while, which is consistency. They do a good job with Premier League Download, but it's inconsistent. They don't have a show every week. They don't have a show every two weeks. They have shows uh, in these spurts. They have multiple Premier League Downloads during the festive period, and then you won't have one for three or four weeks. And uh, uh, it was the same thing with... Uh, uh, the Behind the Bad series, right? That 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 fills some of those weeks, but then there's nothing for several, for, for a while. Um, studio shows sometimes are two hours after a game, sometimes they're an hour and a half, sometimes they're 15 minutes. And um, then that seeps into Match of the Day. Match of the Day sometimes is, in, is just a rehash of what was in Premier League Live and is not worth watching, or Match of the Day in some cases you have to watch because you haven't gotten anything out of Premier League Live because it was too short. So, uh, And then there was also a day they didn't even have match of the day, which uh, w was disappointing to me. So um, they did well, but they need to be more consistent would be my great takeaway from things. So, yeah, a lot to cover there. So, so Kartik, I'm going to go through some of my counterpoints perhaps, but, uh, but also, I mean, feel free to interject too. So um, I, I think it's important to note, though, too, that we're kind of uh, – basically kind of comparing NBC on an NBC level. So within the United States, I mean, someone switching on the festive period for the first time watching Premier League football is probably blown away by just the, the amount of coverage. I mean, there was so much coverage, uh, not just the, the games itself, but the shoulder programming. I mean, at one time, I think it was, was it New Year's Day? There was, was it, I don't know, 20 hours of consecutive programming. They had... Um, the matches and then the, some of the documentaries and then they had match of the day, no, the game of the day and then they had the game of the week. So it was, and it went all the way through till I think two o'clock in the morning. So from the NBC point of view, if we compare it to you know, Fox's coverage, being sports' coverage, uh, Fox Sports, etc. I mean, it's by far still way, way, way ahead in terms of just the, the quality level. But I do agree with you, Kartik. I think it is getting a bit uh, predictable. And um, like you said, like the four-year itch type of thing. For those who watch it week in, week out, as, as you and I do, and, and I'm sure many of our listeners do, uh, it is getting a little bit predictable. And, and I, I still would like to see somebody in the studio kind of just have a rotation policy, have somebody kind of swap in, swap out a bit, um, maybe have one of the Robbies go back to England. I mean, uh, Robbie Earl did the the Ranieri, uh Premier League download, but have one of the Robbies go out and, and do some some interviews, and then frees up the space to have maybe somebody new introduced. Um, yeah, and this uh, this is important to me because I maybe I'm a, a small select few because I see the ratings for ESPN FC and I realize they're not very high, although they're not as low as they maybe could be. Um, I, I almost feel like those days that they don't have the consistency that I'm looking for, I'm waiting for ESPN FC to start. And you've got Shaka, you've got uh, Craig Burley, you've got Stevie Nichol, and the three guys who know English football really well. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm waiting for their analysis and Dan Thomas facilitating that conversation or Alexis Nunez, whoever's hosting them that day. Um, and that's unfortunate. Now, maybe NBC has to go out and hire one of those guys. Maybe they need to hire Shaka. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and and enhance their coverage with that or hire Stevie Nichol. But 
Uh, Verley is my favorite, so I'd love to see him, but <laughs> I don't know if that would go over but, really with people. Yeah, but a bit, but even on a tempor- temporary basis, you mean have I mean have Shaka is a good one, I, th- I think, in terms of somebody who's really intelligent. I think would fit in really well. Has worked with Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto uh, a lot. Knows them personally, yeah. so that chemistry. Yeah, he and Robbie Musto actually. He and Robbie Musto worked together for years in yep. the same studio. Now that, I, now that you mention it. Yeah, but it'd be great to have Shaka come in for maybe, like, I don't know, a, a week or two and then kind of rotate back out and then do um, to work with ESPN, but then come back, you mean, a, a month later. Just, just just a little bit of kind of um, difference, just kind of mix things yeah, up and a little even, bit. Yeah, when you talk about a title race, okay, and um, I, uh, it's painful, and it's painful for Shaka to talk about, but he played for Newcastle the year they blew the big lead under Kevin Keegan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but he is able to give insights about title races and competition at the top of the table in, in having uh, been a goalkeeper in FA Cup finals and having been goalkeeper for a team that, that finished second in the Premier League, uh, been, by all means should have won a title, uh, finished second in the Premier League two straight consecutive years. That the, you know, Martino is fantastic. He's off the charts good, but... Uh, enhances, complements the things that, that uh, both uh, Musto and Earl can give from their playing, um, playing days in, uh, in England. Of course, Musto uh, has a lot of experience with, uh, with dealing with relegation fights mm-hmm. and with uh, balancing cups and uh, fixtures and, and, and that sort of thing with Middlesbrough. He was on the Middlesbrough team that got relegated the year they got to both cups the major domestic cup finals. So uh, he certainly it, it, it gives that, but I just think they need someone to compliment their coverage and then allow maybe Musto to go to England and do this interview with Pep Guardiola, where I think he would have done a better job mm-hmm. than, uh, than uh, Roger Bennett. Let Kyle Martino go to England and, and sit down with Bob Bradley, where I think we can all be uh, certain he probably would have done a better job yeah. than Roger Bennett. Uh, uh, this all having been said, I think Bennett's interviews have been okay. I don't think they've been bad. I just think that they could get that much more out of their studio guys if they were doing it. For me, I mean, Roger Bennett uh, is a man in love with his own voice. So, you know, he's, he's yeah. sat, like when he asks the questions, he's kind of like just like, to me, it's faking it. It just, it just seems so uh, uh, inauthentic. I mean, when he, when he does it. So it drives me nuts. <laughs> I mean, he, so I, I'm not a Men in Blazers fan by any means. I mean, to me, it's, it's a shtick. Uh, yes, it was f- funny at first, but that, that that gag got really old, and it's kind of just to me, it's very ju- juvenile. I, I, I want to know, and this is something for our listeners, and please tweet at us and send us uh, comments on the mailbag. How many of you had Men in Blazers as your gateway drug to watching the Premier League or watching football in general? I just want to know because I'm told sure. all the time, Chris, that it's uh, it's an enormous number, and without Men in Blazers. The, the, the sport, at least the sport at the, the European level, would not be uh, as popular as it is in this country right now. And uh, to me, I just don't see that as the case, but I could be wrong. Maybe I'm in a bubble. Maybe I'm in a vacuum. Yep. So I'm glad you brought that up because I've wanted to ask that question on the show before. Yeah, same, same, same with me too. I mean, I, I, I agree with, with you there where the perception is, is that they're a gateway drug, but the reality of what, from what I've seen and who I've spoken to that pretty much everyone kind of disregards them but again, we might be living in that bubble and um, kind of that gateway drug. Uh, we might, might, might not be talking to those type of people. So, so definitely, yeah, listeners, uh, let us know, share us your opinions uh, in regards to that. The, the, the funny thing, though, Kartik, about the Premier League download with Bob Bradley is that, all right, here I am, a massive Swansea City supporter. 
Um, but I didn't watch the show. And I didn't watch the show because I just can't stand listening to Bob Brad Bob Bradley. I can't stand listening to Roger Bennett. Uh, but 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 by that point, but, but by that point though, too, the timing of it was horrible because I had completely lost faith in Bob Bradley as a, as a manager um, after that West Ham United defeat. I mean, the the four one. It was just a, a despicable. It right after that game. So it, it was yeah. It was like I think twenty four hours after the, after that game. Um, but I, and Bob Bradley coming into Swansea, I was actually thinking that he would do well, that he'd fit in really, really well with the team, and that uh, a breath of fresh air and would bring some good ideas and, and tactically set them up. But for whatever reason, and I think this is, goes behind the scenes in terms of the coaching and kind of just uh, with the players, really, it didn't work. But for me, as a Swansea City supporter, um, I mean, for like what 30, 40, 40 years plus. Um, I did not watch the show, partly because I, I just was just so um, detached from Bob Bradley at that point, but also Roger Bennett. I just couldn't watch the show just because he was hosting it. Now, if it was Robbie Earl, Robbie Musto, Shaka Hislop, yeah, I probably would have watched it. Um, but but still, there you go. So, all right, Kartik, in terms of some of the other stuff, it's called football. I missed that one. I, did, I have seen some of the episodes um, on YouTube in the past in some, some of the clips they've done. Um, I didn't see the show, but it sounded to me like it was more of kind of the, the NBC Sports trying to mix things up, which is good, but also trying to, to appeal to a younger demogra- demographic. So something that's more um, maybe viral or somebody that, that's kind of a younger demographic, kind of you mean teens or uh, uh, young adults to watch the, that, to kind of uh, watch a programming and then maybe get into the Premier League a little bit uh, that way or, or just uh, appreciate... Uh, the Premier League on a different level, but uh, that, that's my take on that. Um, and then the, the the programming consistency, yeah, I think that's something that I think we've all gotten used to. You mean in some ways we kind of kind of shift around that in terms of when those programs are going to be on, um, and we could, we just kind of deal with it. It, it isn't perfect, um, and I think a lot of it is dictated by. Um, kind of programming schedules, like other programming on NBC Sports, uh, NBCSN or NBC, the, the main major network. Um, but it's one of those things that, um, yeah, it'd be great to have more consistency, consistency in terms of the programming, what times they're on. But uh, for me, at least, I, I kind of just, just kind of work my way through it and, and, and uh, uh, take what I can get. But Kartik, overall, I agree with you in terms, in terms of it's getting a little bit predictable, a little bit stale, um, and I hope, and I'm sure NBC Sports kind of behind the scenes are kind of looking at things and kind of trying to see uh, some fine tuning and different things that they can do. Um, I would say that actually having Men in Blazers on the show, was it yesterday? Uh, the the, the Spurs Chelsea game kind of uh, towards the end. I didn't watch the show itself, but having them kind of interjecting different uh, kind of bits um, into kind of the, the halftime coverage or pre match or post match. Uh, some of the skits they did with uh, the two Robbies and well, uh, Robbie Musto and Kyle and and, and uh, Rebecca that mixed things up a little bit and kind of added a little bit of uh, uh, difference to it. But um, but overall, I, I agree with you in terms of your uh, review, which is uh, the full entire uh, review, uh, detail by detail, is on on the website on worldsoccertalk.com. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, preface uh, people's reading, uh, telling folks it's long. It reads like a novel. <laughs> It's not one of those short, concise articles, but um, there's just a lot to cover during this period. 
There was, there was. Going back to what you said, one more thing too about the FA Cup is um, it would have been great if uh, NBC Sports had the rights to the FA Cup because they could then have the perfect lead-in in terms of you know, Spurs yeah. against Chelsea. Okay, now coming up this weekend is Peterborough against Chelsea on Sunday, and we've got. I mean, so the, it's more of a natural build-up where they can promote promote the FA Cup coverage, and for Fox, it comes out of left field because I mean, there's been no. MLS, well, there's been no soccer coverage on Fox since, what, the MLS Cup final, December, what was it, 12th or 19th, whatever whatever it was. Um, and it's hard to kind of pick up that momentum on Fox when there's nothing going on. But on NBC, it'd be a kind of a perfect kind of lead-in to say, okay, now we've got FA Cup coverage coming up this weekend. And then we're back to, I think it's next week, Kartik. Uh, yeah, it's ne- next week. It's the, um, the League Cup. The semifinals, um, Man United, and, that, and and that's on and that's on BN. That's on BN too. So yeah, and that's the difficult thing. So, so there's no really kind of lead in or momentum from the FA Cup to the League Cup, other than on maybe on our website or you mean on social media. But uh, there's kind of love switching back and forth, and kind of um, if there was one network that had all of this stuff or more of the English stuff, it would be a perfect kind of uh, segue from one to the to the next. But uh, but I'm sure, uh, like you, Kartik, and, and the listeners will be watching it and, and enjoying it and, and, and enjoying other leagues from around the world too, which will be kicking off this weekend. I think uh, we've got uh, La Liga back. Uh, Ligue 1's got uh, Coupe de France uh, games on this weekend. Um, and you've got uh, Serie A matches back. Um, and then the championship has been going through uh, throughout the, uh, the winter break too. So, uh, so all good stuff to look forward to. And then listeners, if you do have any questions, and we definitely covered a lot of topics today, uh, give us your feedback. Let us know uh, if you, you think we're wrong or right, or if you have anything to add to the conversation, or if you have any questions, be sure to let us know. We'd be more than happy to read those on air. Um, you can contact us through three different ways. Uh, the first way is through email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. The second way is through Twitter, and that is through uh, at W Soccer Talk, and then third and not well, last but not least, uh, Facebook, and that's Facebook.com/slash World Soccer Talk. So, Kartik, thank you so much. A happy New Year to you and to listeners. And uh, Kartik, I'll let you uh, lead us out. Enjoy your football. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 